Hello and welcome to 3D Printing Basics. This is episode number 19 and this week's episode is going to be the mailbag episode. I'm going to be responding to listener questions that you guys have left for me on some of the Google Forms that I've given out. Before we get into it, I would like to thank everybody for supporting this podcast and please don't forget to like these episodes, follow this podcast, and also leave a five-star review. We are only six, six five-star reviews away from me having to suffer through the experience of owning another Ender 3. And I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear me complain about it, but not so excited for myself. But either way, we're six reviews away from me getting an Ender 3. And the next milestone after that is at 100 five-star reviews. I'm going to be giving away a Sobel SVO7 to one of the lucky listeners of my podcast. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. Also, I'm honestly not sure if you can hear this or not, but one of my 3D printers is running in the background. So if you can hear that in the background noise, I sincerely apologize. I honestly cannot tell if you can hear it or not, but I just figured I should make it known. All right, with that being said, let's get into some of these questions. Question number one is doesn't have a name attached to it. The question is, I'm trying to define what printer I'm going to buy. Currently thinking about a Sovel SV06 or 06 Plus. And what he asks is, how do we connect a printer remotely? Do they all have Wi-Fi? If not, should he use a Raspberry Pi? That's a really good question. And the answer to that simply is no, not all printers have Wi-Fi. For example, the Creality Ender 3, it doesn't have Wi-Fi. You can't connect every single printer remotely and you can't connect to every single printer remotely. The reason that I mention it so much is because all the printers I have, the Bamboo Labs printers, they all have Wi-Fi and they all connect remotely. But with that being said, just because they can connect remotely doesn't mean they can really operate remotely. Yes, if I'm out and about, I can check in on my printers at home, but I can't really do a whole lot beyond checking the camera and stopping prints if I notice there's like a giant spaghetti monster forming. I can't do much beyond that. So Wi-Fi is not that big of a deal to me. If I didn't have Wi-Fi, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It's definitely nice when you start getting multiple printers because you have the ability to sit at your computer and send print jobs to send them to all five of my printers without having to get up and grab SD cards like how we used to do things or you grab USB drives and have to walk back and forth. So that definitely saves time when you're running a print farm. But honestly, when I just had one printer, it was sitting next to me on my desk and I didn't even have to get up to grab the SD card. So at the end of the day, I don't think Wi-Fi should be a make or break reason for you to get your printer. But maybe it's different for you. Maybe you have a printer in your garage and you don't want to walk all the way to the garage to get the USB drive and walk all the way back to your desk. So that's just something to think about personally. And for me, I have never used a Raspberry Pi to connect my printers. I know you can do that. I know you can use a Raspberry Pi and use OctoPrint to manage all your printers on the on one thing, one uh, like a server. And my friend did this and he really enjoys it. He really likes it. He said, I asked him about it when I saw this question and he basically said the setup is not super easy, but having it is really, really nice. He said, you need to be a little bit tech savvy and you kind of need to understand the Raspberry Pi 
in order to get it all installed. But if you do understand that, you can get, say, like 10 Ender 3s that don't have any Wi-Fi or anything. You can put cameras on them. You can send prints over Wi-Fi. You can send prints over LAN. You can send, you can, uh, like I said, put the cameras on them and you can monitor them all while you're away. So using the Raspberry Pi and Octoprint or something like that to connect older printers that don't necessarily have Wi-Fi can be super convenient and super good for you. But if you're just getting a printer to buy, especially if it's your first one or second one or third one, if you're in the beginning stages, I wouldn't worry about getting Wi-Fi or having a Raspberry Pi attached to your printer. I just don't think that's such a huge factor to worry about. All right, question number two we have is, how do I get past the learning curve of Fusion 360? I have used it to rough out ideas for woodworking, but number one, I stink at it, and it is really hard for me and takes a ton of time, and two, the approach for 3D printing seems different to woodworking. I understand that. Um, I am very similar in that I came from a different world of using different CADs, even using the same one. I used Fusion 360 when I was machining. And jumping into 3D printing, it's a totally different world from a design point of view. You're coming at it completely differently. And Fusion 360 is something that I'm honestly still having a really hard time. I'm trying to learn it. I'm trying to use it more often, but it's a very difficult thing for me to understand. And the reason it's hard for me to get is because I'm used to Mastercam, which is a different CAD software that has almost entirely different controls. And when I'm trying to jump, for me personally, I'm trying to jump from one CAD software to a different CAD software. And that has proven to be very difficult for me. But what I suggest when you're having trouble learning Fusion 360 is to just be relentless. Every single thing you have to do, just keep using Fusion 360. Use it for every single design thing that you possibly can. Even just get practice parts, go on YouTube, look up tutorials, just try everything. I truly believe that trial and error is the way to get good at these CAD softwares like Fusion 360, especially for somebody like me. That's what I'm trying to do. I'll, if I need a part that's done quick, I'll design it in Tinkercad and then I'll go back in Fusion 360 and try to make the same part because I'm just know, I know that eventually if I'm just relentless with it, then I'll eventually start to get and understand and pick up what I need to on Fusion 360 and get better at it. All right, question number three we got today is movable parts. This person wants to know about hinges, snap fits, rotatable things like helicopter blades, and kind of how to print them. I think that's a really interesting question. Things like this that require such, such tight tolerances to be able to work is definitely something that 3D printing is coming around to. There are these things like they call them print in place models. And what these things are is things that you can print all at once. And then when you take them apart, they move and they rotate. Like you have a torture toaster, which works just like a normal toaster. You have extendable swords that are like the things you used to get at the carnivals where they start small and then you flick them out and then they all extend. You print those all as one part. And this is something that I think is really interesting, especially with hinges is the thing that jumped out to me. When it comes to shrinking and issues like this, 
it really depends on the kind of climate you're in. Are you in a humid place? Are you in a super dry place? That's going to determine how much shrinkage you have, as well as the material you're using, like PETG or PLA. We know PLA has quite a bit of shrinkage compared to PETG. And also the opposite, you know, these things are, these PETG and PLA are also very hygroscopic. And so, like I said, they're very open to absorbing moisture and that would change the fit of things. And there's just so many factors to consider when trying to create movable parts on 3D printers. But I think it's definitely doable. Hinges are easily makeable, I think so. And ro rotatable things like helicopter blades. The thing that is going to be tough with that is getting the inside part, the part that spins on whatever rotor or axle you put it on. That part needs to be like really smooth and really precise. And I think that is going to be pretty tough when you're using these hobbyist printers because I know from experience I can get prints dialed in pretty good, but if I was using it for something like a helicopter blade, I would probably design it so that a bearing or a, oh, what's it called? It just left my mind. A smooth bearing. It's a smooth bearing like a piece of copper pipe or something that I would put in there that would act as a bearing. And that's what I would do if I was printing things like helicopter blades. I would not trust just printing straight plastic and then putting it on something that's going to be spinning. So that would be something that I would suggest for that. But it's very interesting. And I think movable parts are definitely very doable in the 3D printing space. All right. This is the fourth question, and this one is a very good question. I like this question a lot. It says, I've just started with 3D printing using the Bamboo Labs A1 Mini Combo. That's a great printer. What other podcasts or YouTube videos do you recommend? And he also says, your podcast has been very helpful for a beginner. So thank you for that. I really appreciate all the support. Thank you so much. For podcasts, there's not a lot of podcasts that I would recommend for beginners. The whole reason I started this podcast was because I saw the hole in the market of there isn't a lot of podcasts or information out there if you're just getting into the 3D printing space. Uh, all the podcasts that I've listened to, the probably five or six that I've listened to, are all much more advanced and they're talking about way more advanced things that even, even I have a very difficult time understanding. But for YouTube, there's a ton of guys out there who make make 3d printing very understandable and easily approachable my favorite 3d printing youtuber is modbot m-o-d-b-o-t and what he does is he does a lot of printer reviews and he also does easy fixes and he does just a video every single week and he also live streams his building of printers so like he'll put together a voron and he'll live stream every step and I just really like his videos because he's very clear and concise. He easily explains everything and kind of breaks everything down to be easily accessible and easily understandable for a beginner. And he was one of the first guys that I watched and I really enjoy his content. On the other side of things, I like Uncle Jesse a lot, but for different reasons. He's not so much in the informational kind of uh, explaining everything realm he's more just print cool stuff which i honestly am a big fan of he's printed things like a six foot tall like superhero thing or he's printing a lot of cosplay items and the stuff he's printing is honestly really cool but you can tell he's just kind of like a normal guy and that's why i like his approach to things and i like the way he explains everything too and just the stuff that he makes is really cool and the other one that i do want to suggest is 
Maker's Muse, that's his name. It left me for a second. I almost forgot. But Maker's Muse, he's been doing it for a long, long time. He's been doing it forever. And he's just really, really good at being the informational kind of guru that you want in the 3D printing world. He's got a video for almost everything. If you if you need help, he's chances are he's made a video about it. And I'm a really, really big fan of him and what he has to say. And every time he releases a video, you'll catch me there watching it. So those are the three guys that I would recommend. I would recommend Modbot. I would recommend Uncle Jesse. And I would recommend Maker's Muse especially because he's definitely got the biggest catalog of videos with the most information out there. A couple other ones I would suggest just off the top is Teaching Tech. I really like him. And I would also suggest Learning Tech, which is I know is a different one, but I like him a lot too. All right. Last question that we are going to go over is a personal one for me. It's how do you get orders for things to make? And I know this isn't really a question that applies to a lot of you because not a lot of you guys are selling prints, but I thought it was an interesting one in case people were trying to get into the space. So how I get orders is through two main, two main sources. Well, actually three main sources now that my website is up. My website gets orders, but first and foremost is Etsy. I start on Etsy. It was the very first thing that I did 3D printing wise when I wanted to sell was I got on Etsy and I made a store and that's how I get probably 50% of my orders now. And it's okay. It's nice that there's 90 million or however many. I know I've already done this before. There's millions and millions of Etsy customers who are there at your fingertips as soon as you start. But the things that I don't like about it are the fees that they take from you. I think at the end of the day, if you make a sale and especially offsite ad sales, which I don't know if it's just me, but a lot of my sales come from offsite ads. They end up taking like 13 to 15 percent in in fees from your order. And they just, you know, like there's a transaction fee. There's a this fee. There's a that fee. There's another fee. It's just it's crazy how much they end up taking from you. And so that's why I wanted to switch to the website, because I wanted to start making sales where I got 100% of it and I didn't have to give anything to any other middleman. But Etsy is how I started and it's honestly a grind. I started it probably really close to when I started 3D printing, so maybe 2021 and it's 2024 now and I would say in the last six months is when things started picking up. So it was a solid two years of just grinding, just putting up as many listings as I possibly could and just grinding and grinding and getting reviews and trying to do everything I could and to the point where I could start getting regular orders and so that's something to look out for if you're getting into Etsy is that it's gonna take a while for you to get to a point where you could even start looking at this as like a part-time thing but if you keep grinding and you stay up and you stay active and you're on top of your stuff you're being a star seller every month Etsy can be something that's really good for you now, the other way that I get business is I have a Google page. When you make an email, you can turn it into a business email, like a Gmail. You can turn it into a business Gmail and you can create a business page where if people search up, say, 3D printing services, you can pop up as a company. Like if you search up 3D printing squared on Google, you'll see me. There's a, a profile page. It's got my business on there. It's got my website. It's got some photos. It's got my phone number. And what will happen is people will call me with a lot of jobs. Honestly, people will just call me and say, Hey, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And of course I say, yes, I give them my email and we talk back and forth. And then 
a job comes out of that. And I really like that people can just call me up. It provides for me a more a more personal interaction rather than just talking to somebody through a keyboard. When somebody calls me on the phone, I feel like I can learn more about the job and learn more about them and be able to therefore do a better job of executing what they want. But those are the two main ways that I get my that I get revenue from. And yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it for me. But if you're just getting started, if you're a beginner and trying to sell things, I would definitely start with Etsy. Just you may have like a smash hit product that gets sales immediately. But other than that, I would just say just be careful and be ready for the long grind because it is definitely it takes a while for you to get to where you want to be there. All right, I think that's five questions, which is how many I wanted to handle today. So I think I'm going to leave you right there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to like and follow this episode and also leave a five-star review. Remember, we're six six five-star reviews away from being able to see me suffer through an Ender 3, but I'm excited for that. I'm excited for all the episodes to come. I'm excited to see what happens to this podcast in 2024. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time.